You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. Making Money Online is sponsored by Nicola J. Rowley PR, helping entrepreneurs and brands get visible through strategic storytelling. If you're serious about being seen and impacting the lives of others, harnessing the power of PR is the best way to grow and scale your business. Visit njrpr.com for more details and read Nicola's best-selling book, The Power of PR. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. I hope you've had a great week. I'm here today with a new guest. So I'm here with Joe Mitchell-Hill and Joe is a trauma coach who works with families and individuals who've been through or to, to help childhood trauma. And I wanted to talk to her today about how she does that and the kind of strategies she uses and also why she got into doing that. Because you know me, I always love a story and there's always a reason why people do the things that they do now that they're in business. So welcome to the show, Jo. Thank you for having me, Lisa. No worries. So tell me a little bit about, before we get into like how you help, and I know that you have these different strategies to help with childhood trauma, Tell me a bit about why you got into this area yourself. Like you used to be a teacher, didn't you? That's right. I was a teacher for, gosh, a very long time, 20 odd years. And I worked in a lot of deprived sort of areas, worked with uh, a lot of children that came from um, backgrounds where, you know, socially they were they were living under the breadline. They were coming from places that there was quite a lot of abuse going on, either sort of like neglect or, or physical abuse. And I worked in, I, I picked these schools. These were the places that I kind of gravitated towards because I worked, I, I got a connection with these kids and I worked really well with them, developed really good rapport with them. And actually with quite a few of their parents as well. So I always seem to gravitate towards people that I guess were hurting or people that have been through some kind of trauma. And I don't know whether it's my personality. I don't know if it's because I'm a straight talker. I don't know. But I always seem to get that respect from the parents. So, And we're talking about parents who often wouldn't engage in education or engage with education for all the sorts of reasons that they have. You know, maybe they have poor experiences at school themselves. They might not have been very literate. They may have had um, involvements with social services. So anything that then was connected to that became like the enemy. So I often sought out probably it sounds horrible, the worst person in this in the class or with the worst story and, and went to try and help them. Yeah. And to make them feel seen and to make them feel heard because quite often that's where it starts, you know, being able to to listen to somebody and hear their story and hear their pain and help them through that and know that it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. And I think there will be a reason why you obviously gravitated towards mm. those kind of people, maybe something in your own past or just because you realized that other people weren't helping and that you could help them. And I mean, this is really linked, but you had foster children, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, so then we became, my husband and I 
decided, I think it was more me telling him a good <laughs> idea um, to be a foster carer. <laughs> we should do this. This would be amazing. Again, it was one of those things I felt very strongly about it. And I felt that at that point in our life, I could, it, it was my calling and I really wanted to do this. So we fostered for about 10 years. Wow. Predominantly, we had teenagers quite like a teenager if I'm honest with you again I think it's my personality I'm quite as I said you know sort of quite straight talking they keep you they keep you relevant as well teenagers you know with with music and actors and stuff like that so you don't look like a fossil so yeah so we fostered and a lot of our kids as I said they were teenagers and they had come from gosh we had some children who had been in residential because they couldn't find appropriate care like foster carers for them. We had some children that came from psychiatric units because, again, they couldn't find appropriate foster placements for them. And all of them, I mean, they all thrived here. We had children that were placed out of area for various reasons. How many? They couldn't, oh, gosh, how many kids? I think long-term, as in that lived with us for years, seven or eight. Wow. And then we had children that would come on respite. And then we also had children that would walk through the front door, walk out the back door, and that would be the last you'd see of them sort of thing, you know. So, yeah, so eight, I think it was long-term kids that, that lived with us. We finished fostering when my daughter was born, just after my daughter was born. So that's coming up to nine years now. And they're still inboxing me. They still text me. They still phone. They still pitch up. Oh, needing great. stuff washed and yeah. some money <laughs> and food and <laughs> yeah, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, they were they came to us. Often we were, I mean, for some of them we were like the fortieth placement. You know, they they were kids who were very traumatized by what had happened in their life, but they were also really traumatized because of the system, because they had been in placements that broke down. And so by the time they got to us, they were like, well, you're just another face. It's just another house. It's just another place that I'm going to be for like. It must be really hard for you guys, like thinking, well, you know, they've been from pillar to post. How are you going to help them through that kind of trauma? And was that always your calling, like, I am going to get through to them? Yeah, I think I'm, for me, it was very much about, I know what it feels like to not be heard. I know what it feels like to be the person that doesn't feel valued and doesn't feel loved. So for me, it was very much about, I'm always going to be the advocate for the child, always. And I'm going to be the person who, who fights their corner. And that for me, that was, I think that was very much it was that, that I was the person they could rely upon. I was the person who, you know, that they used to say, I remember going to a meeting once and the social worker didn't turn up. And I remember one of the kids saying, no, Joe told you the meeting was on. And if Joe knew the meeting was on, then you knew the meeting was on. And I was like, do you know what? And they'd only been with me sort of six months at they this point. They were completely, point. they trusted that you Completely, knew. absolutely. And I think that's so important because for a lot of kids in and out of the system, having someone who is their advocate and having that person who is there, you know, will stand up for them. A lot of kids don't have that. Mm-hmm. And that was my, I guess that was my thing was I was, that, that was my job. My job was to stand up there and be your advocate and be your voice. And yeah, and I, I still feel very strongly about that. You know, even with my own daughter, I'm just yeah. like, you know, I am your voice because you're still little. You need me to be that person for you. And you then 
Did you train as a trauma coach? So throughout my fostering, I did trauma training. So we had so much training, um, I guess, as you can imagine. So that's, so I've trained as a coach. I am a, a qualified coach. And it was, I kind of was like, what is the path? Where do I want to be? Who do I want to work with? And I knew I, I knew it was with parents. And I knew it was with kids. And I knew it was, it was kind of something. But it just kind of all clicked, to be fair, sort of the back end of last year. I was just like, this is what it's about. This is what I think for me it kind of clicked that what I'd been through was actually trauma. And it was like, I can help look at all this look at all of this success I've had with people that have been through trauma. So I'm very much, and and when I was teaching, I would work very closely with my colleagues and and help them understand that, you know, the behaviour of the children in the class isn't naughty behaviour. Because of all the training that you had had when you were fostering people, like you knew all of that. When you say, because, you know, you've been through trauma yourself, what did that look like? So it was kind of, I have this, I have this talk that I do, and I guess it's the best way to describe it, right? And it's got a swear word in, is that okay? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I have, I've just got to ask. Um, so I have this talk and it's called, this is just the shit that happened to us, right? Because for a long time, one of my brothers and I, we would laugh, have a couple of glasses of wine and we'd laugh about the stuff that would have, had happened to us as we were kids, you know? Mum was very handsy. She was quite emotionally abusive. She was quite shouty, more than quite shouty. She, she didn't neglect us in, you know, we were always fed, we were always clothed, we were always that. But the emotional stuff was always very, it just wasn't there. And so we had, so we had that. My dad died when I was 10. So that compacted. That on itself, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, you know, a huge trauma in itself. So he'd been sick and then he died, then that just sort of ramped everything up because she was then very, I think, looking back as an adult, I think she probably was quite depressed. Yeah. well, she Fair enough, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she had four kids, you know, 12 and under. So it was quite, uh, you know, and it was quite hard. Yeah. Um, so she had, so there was all of that. I just became the target of everything. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it is what it is. There's, you can't change it. Do you think that makes you more empathetic and understanding of the people that you work with, knowing that actually quite a lot of people, and actually the more people I talk to on these podcasts, so many people have hidden trauma and some not hidden, but some, you know, are actually traumatized and they don't even realize it from things that happened when they were children. Yeah. And so it's probably why you gravitated towards helping others because you weren't hurt and you weren't seen because of what happened to you. Yeah, and I think one of the areas of trauma that we're becoming more aware of now is developmental trauma. But people think of trauma like, you know, maybe you've been ill or somebody's died or there's been a separation or you've been abused, but they don't understand how it impacts developmentally so when we see those people in the street who are screaming and shouting because they don't you know adults I'm talking about not children who are screaming and shouting it's because actually at some point in their development they've missed that bit and that then becomes the behavior that we see and we look at them and we go oh you know there's there's one of the finest you know it's it's that so we we need to understand how this impacts 
adults that are out there and how that then impacts the children, the children who yeah. they're then bringing up, you know, and it's this continual cycle. Yeah, it definitely is. And you've helped by breaking that cycle, by working with these children who are traumatised. And you use horses, don't you? I do, your- yes. Okay. Yeah. What's that about? Well, my husband was like, you've got four horses out there you're doing nothing with. I was like, yeah. I'll do something with them. I'll do something with them. So so I've had horses for a very, very long time. Anybody that knows me knows that kind of like I just attract animals as well. They just kind of arrive at my house. I've ridden dressage for a very long time. I've trained for a very long time, go out competing my horses. And when I was still teaching, I was quite interested in research that was coming out about autism and the way that the brain changes when children with autism interact with horses. And I was like, this is really interesting. It slows the brainwave patterns down. It makes them calm. And, and what I thought, this is really interesting stuff. And so I read, I, I can't tell you more about it because it was like 20 odd years ago and there's been quite a lot of wine in between then <laughs> and now had. <laughs> but I was like, this is really interesting. This is a really interesting thing. And for myself as well, I would say I'm quite an angry person because lots of people that know me would say, oh, I'd never say you're an angry person. But I think internally I was a very, a very angry person with everything that had happened. We never talked about my dad after he died. You know, there was lots of stuff that we never spoke about. Yeah. And so I think you take that with you. And I remember riding my horses and I'd get really angry if they wouldn't do something. I was like, oh, you stupid horse. Why are you not doing this thing? And the horse is like, well, you told me to do that. So I'm doing that, you know. And I met this American cowboy, like proper cowboy, proper like big tash. Do you have a hat? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I love him. I adore him. He's the most amazing person I have met in such a long time. And um, he used to come over to the UK and run these clinics, courses, like camps, whatever. And And I went and I was like, I just want this horse to do what I want it to do. But actually what ended up happening was I ended up working on myself because it's about relationship. So to have a horse that does the things that you want it to do, particularly sort of high, high level dressage stuff, you can't just get on it and go do that. Yes. And it goes, yeah, okay. There has to be a relationship there. So I learned how to calm myself, how to become more present, how to become more, I guess, mindful with the horses and be in that moment with them. And it made it, honestly changed my life in the fact that I'm I am fairly relaxed and laid back but it probably made me even more so that internal anger that I just carried around like this lump of stone I guess sort of dissipated over the years and I'm the more I'm with the horses the less I feel like that you found that with the kids as well oh gosh yeah yeah so the kids then so when the kids would then come and live with us so we live on a farm yeah. So that in itself is great because they could just get outside and run, which is good. They needed to, to move. And they would often gravitate towards the horses. We had a lot of ponies at the time. Ponies aren't great with kids, but that's another story. But ponies are good for kids because they're sort of, you know, kid size. So the kids would bring the ponies in and they would groom them and they would spend time with them. And they would just learn to be. Because when you're grooming a horse, it's quite repetitive, methodical. Yeah, methodical. Yeah. And you can get really lost in that. 
and you can tell a horse anything and a horse isn't going to repeat it. And there's that real relationship building that you can, that you see that the kids would have, and they would have their favorite ponies and the ponies would actually have their favorite people as well. And they would be like, Oh, oh that person's coming. And they would go and, and do stuff. And they, it wasn't about riding because very few of them actually rode. They just enjoyed that connection. And yeah. that's what it's about is that connection. And I think, it's about, you know, horses, I don't know, there's a healing quality with horses. There is Not something they that they do. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just magical animals. You know, they they see into your yeah. soul. Yeah, people say they see into your soul and that, that you can tell that they do. Yeah. Um, with the kids you have now, so obviously you now do trauma coaching yes. for families and for, for kids. Do you still use the horses now with them? Yes. Yes, so I have... Two of my horses who are retired obviously needed to have a job, <laughs> according to my husband. So they are the horses that I use for when people come. So one of the horses that I have, she is brilliant. She was prior to retiring. She, I had a disabled lady that used to ride her and she is just the horse, just amazing. She is very empathetic. She is very calm and kind. And she works brilliantly with people. There's just something about her that she knows she gets you. And there's not a person that's left that hasn't said, I love Sasha. There is something about her. She's just, she is just amazing. See her in the stable. She's a bit, I don't know, ears back and stuff like that. But actually out and that she, there's something about her that she just connects with people very quickly and she gets them. And she teaches them so much because it's about communication as well. If you want a horse to move, you can't say, can you move? Because the horse is like, but it's a big human. You have, well. have to be calm because a horse knows in the first couple of seconds of meeting you, whether you're a sure bet. And if you're not a sure bet, they're not going to listen to you. It doesn't matter what you say. They're just going to be, well, you're a bit sort of all over the place. A horse is a flight animal. So it needs a leader that is, you know, consistent calm all of those things that our kids need so they pick up on that and that's the that's the great thing with them is that they because they pick up on that they make you calm down and you see people and they go out there and they're all like oh this horse I'm going to do this rah, 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 and the horse is like yeah whatever <laughs> and over the time they then you can see them they literally come from this big I am to somebody that becomes quite humbled you know by the horse and then they end up being able to do the things ask the horse to move get the horse to turn around get the horse to back off Impact everything else that they're doing in life absolutely yeah of learning which is a brilliant thing i love that one of the strategies that you use in in trauma is horses because it's it's such a different thing to do it's such a nice way of doing things it yeah. just blends my two like you yeah, know the not, things that i love doing which is you know what it's all about isn't it it's like exactly yeah, you're passionate about and, and bring them together if there's somebody out there listening that they've had, and I know there are, <laughs> that have had childhood trauma themselves and it's preventing them from being where they want to be in their life and business, what are the first steps that they should be taking? Recognising it is the first thing, isn't it? Actually, and, and being okay with that. You know, it's like this is something that it doesn't have to be a secret. You can, you can share and you can talk to people about 
I mean, I have my Facebook group. They're more than welcome to come to that yeah. and be in there. And it's a place where you can join the conversation or you can just sit back and, and read, listen, watch, whatever. So that would be the first thing. I would be, you know, find a community, find somewhere that you feel that you've got a connection with and that you feel seen and that you feel heard. Because I feel that's the first, the first bit to help with the healing is that we all want to connect with people. We all want to connect. And the thing with trauma is it makes us not want to connect with people. It makes us want to protect ourselves. Close ourselves off. Yeah, absolutely. So true. It's been amazing talking to you. I could talk to you Thank all day, you. to be honest. I know I've just been so like proper listening to what you're saying. Because I think that not only is there more people than ever now that have been traumatized as children, but because of what's happened in the last few years, I think that there's going to be more people yes. than ever growing up traumatized and, and not really knowing why they're acting in certain ways. And so I think the more informed we can be around trauma and about how we can help people who have had these issues that you know we need to heal ourselves before we can help others and I think that's really really important so if somebody wants to come into your Facebook group hang out with you the Facebook group the best place for them to go the Facebook group yeah the Facebook group is called healing from childhood trauma or they can email me which is jojo at joemitchellhill.com we'll put those links in the show notes thank you yeah so emailing me and having and having a chat it, it all starts with a conversation, doesn't it? And that's that's the first that's the first port of call. I think sometimes it's just being brave to have that conversation, that first step. Yeah, to say you're not feeling how you should be feeling, and what exactly? Yeah, that's so true. Amazing. Thank you for coming on and talking. Thank to you for having today. me. Um, thanks, guys, for listening. I will be back next week with a new podcast, and I hope you have an amazing day, whatever it is that you're doing. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson. If you'd like to get hold of my guide to launching, go to lisajohnson.com forward slash launch and let's get you making money online.